You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. You know that everybody here, everybody here, already some people are already discounting, well, that's everybody else but not me. Everybody here, every person here has a gift. A beautiful gift. A God-given gift. Something that you've got something to offer. Um, the book of Ephesians says it this way, and you would have read this or heard messages about this many, many times over. But I just want to read it in a very different way. I'll pre-warn you that wherever I leave a gap, that's your chance to yell out the word. Okay? It's also my chance to understand that you're following me and listening to me and not on Instagram or doing some Facebook thing. So it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that I'm trying to just make sure that we pull out together. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be like children. You guys, this service is amazing. You know, in the last service, those guys... They, they just missed that cue big time. I had to rehearse and rehearse them. But you, there must be like a different IQ level in this service or something. Just don't tell the other guys whatever you do. I'll get mugged in the car park on the way out. But obviously you've had your coffee. You've gone for your 5K run this morning. You've read, you've read 25 pages of the Bible. You've prayed. You've... You've, you've got blood on your knees from what's been going on and you're here ready to go. So you know what's going on. So then we will no longer be... We'll, we'll, we'll just try that again. Um, I just gave you the biggest pump up and you guys landed at 60%. So here we go. Then you will no longer be... Like children, we won't be tossed and blown around about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us and with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Who is the head of his body? The church. He makes the whole body fit together as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This community is put together perfectly. You are holy. You have a gift. Once you turn to your neighbour... And as difficult as this will be, tell them, I am holy.
You might have got through that little conversation there and went, oh, yeah, that's cute. He's asking me to say something, but I don't really believe it. And you were cutesy about it and joked about it, but you are holy. I am holy. You have a gift. I do have a gift. And this scripture that we just read in Ephesians talks about how if we don't put them together, then actually we're going to be immature just like children and we'll be tossed around by every little idea, truth, doctrine, whatever. But at the same time, Ephesians says, hey, if you are willing to participate, if you are willing to add your gift, your holiness together, that somehow, which I don't understand, the Holy Spirit will put it all together perfectly. That because then it's put together perfectly, that we're going to grow in Christ to be more and more like Him. That's what that scripture is really saying. It was a revelation to me as a new senior pastor of our church, Hope Unlimited Church, or as we call it, Hope UC, that again, my job as a senior pastor wasn't to do the work of the ministry. My job was to unlock you, unlock people, unlock people to actually so that their gift could come up. Your gift is super important in this community of faith. I can hear lots of amens, and that's incredible. People who have the revelation that their part matters. I can also hear people in their head going, that's okay for them, but not for me. I can hear loudly the conversations going on to say, well, I'm, I've got no special gift or talent like those people. I, I, I don't have charisma. Look, I live with a super talented woman. She's a brilliant singer, a brilliant songwriter, a brilliant preacher, a brilliant person. We go to the shops and everybody talks to her. They tell her their life story and I go, who is that? She goes, I don't know, I just met them. Do you know how intimidating that is for a man? Don't feel sorry for me. Because she doesn't. Um, <laughs> but I've worked through that more and more, and I'm okay about it. But together, we're powerful. Yeah. Now, I don't say that in a overconfident or arrogant way. I say that because I've got a deep revelation about how God uses people. The opposite to that would be this expression. Have you ever heard it? Ladies, I'm God's gift <laughs> to you. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I understand the value that I have to play in kingdom. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans. Um, Romans, powerful book, probably one of the most outstanding um, epistles in the New Testament. He, and, you know, what I love about uh, the Apostle Paul is he wrote this book and then gave it to a woman and said, could you please go and teach that to every church in the early church? I love 
women in leadership. I love women preachers. I love women in um, governance. And I know this church does too. So thank you, cherished women, for leading in the city. Can't stand it when I hear on platforms where people, not in this church, that's for sure, put down or put to the side women's ability to minister. 1994, Darlene released an album called Shouts to the Lord. Some of you probably weren't even born then. Um, I, I got, I was, as, as Pastor Matt's already said, I was, Darlene and I were working at Hillsong Church for 27 years. I looked after all the media and the marketing and all the music of the organisation and helped lead the strategy of how we were growing and going. And so as part of that, I had to receive lots of phone calls when that album was out, which people go, oh, I was so blessed. It was amazing. But just as equally, I took phone calls that say, hey, you've got a woman leading worship. Obviously, they didn't know I was Darlene's husband. (laughs) They're asking me to explain why I allowed that. And not only that, but then I would take many phone calls that say, hey, do you know that she was wearing pants? (laughs) (laughs) So all I can say over the last 20 or 30 years, things have changed. I wonder what you could pioneer in the future that just seems like a glass ceiling today. Anyway, Romans chapter 1, that was a side note, um, the Apostle Paul says this, I love this chapter, one of my favourite chapters in the whole um, Bible, Romans chapter 1, he says in verse 10, um, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity. I'm that person, I'm praying for opportunity. God, knock me over, opportunity. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know whether it's coming from the left, from the right, above or down. I pray for opportunity, God willing to come to see you. So he just wrote one of the most powerful books in the New Testament and is still praying to come and physically be with the churches. There was things that he couldn't put in paper that could only be transferred by his presence. I'll be as bold to say, as you guys know, most Aussies are bold and direct, is I would say you cannot be a fully mature disciple and sit in your lounge room watching YouTube preaching clips. You have to be in a community of faith. You've got to be embedded with a bunch of people. You've got to be in a connect group. You've got to be in church on Sunday. So the Apostle Paul says, one of the things I pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come to see you at last. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Verse 12, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. Uh, we'll, we'll rewind there a bit. 
Don't fall into that nine o'clock pattern. <laughs> when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul was saying, he was saying, hey, when we get together, I've got something for you. I've got a gift for you. I've got a word for you. I've got encouragement for you. But you also have something for me. Psalm 133 says this. So powerful. How wonderful and pleasant it is when the brothers and the sisters live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. That ran down his head, ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is refreshing as the Jew from Mount Hermon. That falls on the mountains of Zion and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Harmony is beautiful. It's a place where everybody wants to be. But harmony isn't where a place where people don't say what they think. See, oftentimes we reflect and go, well, I'll just say nothing and that won't keep this room harmonious. People are drawing back, withholding, thinking they're creating a harmonious moment. But the Apostle Paul didn't say that. He says, hey, I've got something, you've got something. And I'm praying for the opportunity to one, to give my gift to you. And I'm praying for the opportunity for you to give your gift to me. Yet many Christians, obviously not in this church, Withhold, draw back, shrink down. They go, the platform, the ministry, the work of the ministry, it's only for those very special few where God somehow dropped favour here, dropped favour and anointing here, dropped gifts and talents here, and somehow or other, it seemed to miss me. And so, again, what people do, our natural human instinct, is to actually withdraw. I'll leave all of that to somebody else. I'll just somehow be a drone in the beehive of God's kingdom. No particular endeavour, no particular action, and I'll just withdraw. Withdrawing does not lead to harmony. A willingness to keep things to yourself. Where maybe you don't have the courage to face disagreement. Disagreement actually helps and builds harmony. See, the, 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 the psalmist said that that oil came on the head came on the beard, and it went all the way to the inner parts of the robe. Where did the woman with the issue of blood get healed? When she touched Jesus' robe. 
right there. He turned around and said, hey, power's left me. Something's happened in this space. Someone's drawn on the gift that I have. And he calls her out. There's people in your world that are on the edge. The miracle is on the edge. The people who are missing on your connect group list. MIA. Yet the miracle is on the edge. Pastor Leanne and Jürgen do not know everybody in San Diego. I'm pretty confident of that. Yet, between the five campuses, the six campuses, and the network of people, and how the spider web of relationships goes across the city, right there on the edge, that's where the miracles are. That's where the testimonies are. But again, if you withhold your part, if you don't let the oil go all the way down to your edge, how will those people know? Paul was not embarrassed to say, I've got something to add. You might say, oh, it's very confident. Super confident. Maybe even arrogant. But his strength of that confidence came from his understanding where the power comes from. Jesus says in John chapter 3, he says, I must, we must decrease so that he can increase. See, what's stopping you from believing that you've got something to add? Because you've got something inside this community of faith, inside this generation, inside the next generation that needs your voice, needs your spirit. Every single person can add something. But the reason why maybe you're not adding or maybe withholding, there's a number of reasons and I've got a couple. He said maybe you've got a wrong understanding about what ministry actually means. Maybe you think that ministry only happens when you hold one of these microphones. Maybe you think that ministry only happens when you play one of those instruments. You, maybe you think that ministry only happens when you pray from a pulpit or lead a connect group. Well, you've got a misunderstanding Ephesians 4 says, hey, all of those gifts are actually to unlock the gifts and the ministry in the church. Maybe the reason why you're withholding is that you've, you've actually sensed that you've just lost a sense of purpose for your life. Let me write that definition slightly a different way. Maybe you've lost hope that your part doesn't matter. But we read in Ephesians that everyone's got a special part to play. See, God's trying to put this thing together perfectly. And if you withhold, you've just created a hole in the perfect church. And I'll just say it as gently as I can. I need you. 
I'll say it as gently as I can. You need me. Maybe the other reason that you're withholding is that you just believe that your gifts are low. Or maybe even empty. Can I challenge you? As God challenged me, that's a version of pride. You might be like, whoa. Whoa. I can see arms being folded, people moving back, not looking to the left or to the right, just straight ahead. He'll be done in another 20 minutes or so, and then we'll be out of here. But he's calling out pride. The reason I can talk about it is because I've had to work through this. The reason people often withhold their gift is they're actually worried about risking embarrassment that if I bring my gift up for some reason or another, it doesn't measure up to your gift. So I would rather withdraw rather than risk embarrassment Yet every gift matters. Every gift matters. You've got a special part to play that only you can play. Maybe, maybe the reason why you're withholding is this idea that your gift, when the time that you did get bold and say, I've got a part to play, it was treated roughly. Or maybe it wasn't nurtured properly. Or maybe it wasn't encouraged enough. Well, can you forgive and have another go? Can you actually, as we heard it, cherish, actually let go of those offences and move on? The gift that you have becomes so self-evident to other people as soon as you open that door. Please don't hold back your gift. Please don't do that. The ability to reach this city, this state, will be thousands of people across many campuses, even many churches, who are brave enough to release the gift that's in them in whatever way that God's called you out and to actually say, I'm not like Darlene, but I can still sing and lead worship. I'm not like T.D. Jakes, yet I can still preach a message. There's many things that T.D. and I aren't the similar on. (laughs) Thank you, you're a little bit slow, but I got there in the end. That's that Aussie sarcastic humour that you know about. Yet why should I be afraid? Because, again, if I was to say, well, he's much better speaker and preacher than I am, I'll just stand back and let him take up all the space. Our church wouldn't exist where we are. There wouldn't be people growing and in community and in faith with God. There's a whole lot of things that you have to do.
every year, we, over the last 15 years or so, we've brought in a different um, person into our companies, which we've got several companies, a television company um, that we produce um, television for all through Asia, India, Japan, Indonesia, all those different territories. We buy and sell television airtime. I produce quite a number of Christian programs for large um, American ministries that want to travel in those places. Um, we produce on a daily basis Pastor Joseph Prince's program. We have 23 people working in that company um, where it's a great opportunity to minister. We have a garden um, retail business. I know that makes complete sense um, in the flow of what we're called to do. Um, we have a coffee business in Rwanda um, where we harvest and process coffee. Starbucks buys all their coffee. We've also got a technology company out of, based out of San Francisco where we, it's, it's microwave gas plasma where we take carbon, interject methane with it and turn it into syngas, fundamentally hydrogen. Don't get too excited. Five years, we haven't made one sale yet. Um, so we bring someone in to coach all our teams and I bring this um, ex-fighter pilot guy who comes in and speaks to us and he's, he wants to do personality profiles with everybody and, and, and I love those and absorb those and I, I know how to fake every test. I know how to answer the questions in a certain way so that I get the response that I'd like. He comes to me and says, you can't fake this test. And um, I said, oh, well, I'll give it a go. Um, so I do the test and strangely enough, I did the test 10 years ago and then I did the test again this year and I got identical results. He came to me afterwards the first time round and said, hey, I need to meet with you. Um, I thought, oh, maybe I've got a bad reading. Maybe I've got to redo the test. Um, I, 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 he says, okay, can we, can we meet? Which is not a good thing. And, um, and I said, meet with him. He says, look, I've just got to walk you through the results. I said, okay. He said, look, on one particular, um, well, on two, actually, there was two... Um, results that he said, on this first result, um, he, he said, I've never seen a score like this before. So I went back and double-checked and spoke to the head office because this company, they've done about, I think, four million profiles of people. And he said, um, he says, you've just ranked um, above the top 10% in the world. And I was like, I've, he says, I've never seen that before. You are the most introverted person I've ever seen. <laughs> It was a confusing few minutes for me because I thought, should I get excited? <laughs> Top 10%. But again, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that instance. You've got a gift. You've got to unleash that gift. You've got many reasons why you withhold. So do I. But I that's not our role or our space. God is asking you, everyone, to play their part in your connect group, serving in the children's ministry, being in the car park, ushering, actually just being loving on some other people, calling up the people on the edge of the garment 
and ministering Holy Spirit oil. Please don't hold back your gift. I need it. Other people around you need it. You know that you can be bold and confident and humble all at the same time. Dr. Robert Morrison, who was a missionary to China, um, he was really the father of the Chinese Anglo literature. Still, most of his work is still referenced to in terms of the English Chinese dictionary. He was a missionary um, in the late 1700s, early 1800s. On his way out to China as a young man, um, uh, he, he was the first one to translate the Bible into Chinese. He was in China for 27 years, as I said. Um, but he suffered great persecution there. The secular media came to him at the time, American fellow, and they said, do you expect to have a spiritual impact on China? The way they asked the question, the way they set him up, they were trying to either get him to his ego to speak or they were trying to actually say, the job's too big for you, little boy. His answer was profound. Do you expect to have a spiritual impact in China? His answer was no, but I expect God will. You've got a part to play in this community of faith. There's things that only you can do. There's things that only you can say. You could start exposing that gift today. As you walk out into the foyer after this service, you could speak words of hope and encouragement into someone you don't know. You could actually pull other people into your world. You could be running around saying, hey, I've got Connect on this week. You're welcome to come. I'll come and pick you up. It won't be the same without you. There's only some things, that, certain things that you can do that I can't do. There's, there's things that only you can do that I can't do. P please don't withhold that gift. The Apostle Paul said it in such a profound way. I've got something when I see you that I want to bless you with and you've got something for me. My last story and I'll close. We've been pastoring our church now for nine years. We're We've got five campuses where we are. We've got five campuses in India and we've got another four churches here now in America. Actually, today we're starting a church in Nashville, um, which is awesome. My first altar call, my first real preach was the first Sunday I was the senior pastor. No small pressure. I'd spoken to big crowds before and did leadership talks and all sorts of things, but I'd never actually preached. But I knew that God had called me to do this work and for this season. For the first few years after every message, um, I'd come down the steps and as literally as I put my, my foot on the bottom step, this um, elderly lady would come up to me and say, 
four out of ten. You can improve it this way, you can improve it that way. I don't know why you said that. Um, the first dozen times, I, I was just, okay, whatever. But after about 50 times of this interaction, straight after, whenever I preached, um, I was getting a little frustrated and annoyed. And so I would then um, see her in the foyer and go, whoop, there she is. like any normal human being would do. One Sunday, I was sitting on the front row, going through my notes, getting ready to clear my head about what I had to preach. And in our church, we have this um, practice where we um, ask people to come and share their story. We have a saying, your, your, your story becomes our story, which then becomes his story. And it's a beautiful picture of the church, I believe, that where as people share stories, if we take the time to listen to people's stories, well, then all of a sudden, I'm engaged and involved in your story. And as soon as I'm engaged and involved in your story, what a great picture and testimony of his story about the church on planet Earth. And so this, as I sit there, I notice that at this particular point in the service, this lady comes up onto the platform to share her story. I look around the front row to all of our team and staff going, hey, who allowed this to happen? This isn't going to go well. She spoke for probably two minutes. Everybody every single person was in tears, including me. She walked down from the platform. I just gave her a big hug. It's amazing how much grace you have for other people when you hear their story. Take the time, church, please. Take the time to get connected. Take the time where you would allow your gift and your story to come to the surface. Don't withhold it. Don't put certain parts in the, in the shadows. Bring the whole you. I need it. You need it. God's church needs it. We need people authentic about who they are so that the Holy Spirit can use them. Whatever you actually withhold, how can the Holy Spirit flow through you? Yeah, that's one of the prayers that we pray every week. Holy Spirit, use me, anoint me. But not this bit, I'm just going to hold this bit back. Not this bit because I don't like how it looks. And it doesn't look good compared to other people's stories or journey. God can use everything. Let the oil flow from the head to the beard all the way to the edges of the garment. God gives us such a beautiful picture of community. It's a model for all of us to encourage us not to withhold. God's in perfect community with Himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're serving each other, loving on each other. The Father actually releases the Son 
holding nothing back. Jesus Christ leaving all the benefits and privileges of heaven to be born in an animal's food trough. To be raised as an everyday person. No special anointing, no special gifts. He just looks like one of the guys until the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He held nothing back, becoming a man so that we could become right with the Father. Jesus humbled himself so that we could be benefited, so that we could be in friendship with God. Your gift, are you willing to put aside that pride, that so-called humility so that you would truly humble yourself to say to the pastors and the leaders here, I'm willing to serve, I'm willing to contribute, I'm willing to give my all because somebody out there needs what I've got. Jesus Christ loves you. He did all of that for this moment where you could be a friend of God's, where you could be in right relationship. Revelations puts it so beautifully. It says, hey, I stand at the door and knock and you have the power, you have the ability to open that door or leave it shut. But to me, the power of that verse is the next half where it says, I want to come in and have a meal with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to sit down and talk about stuff. It's not some cosmic lottery that some get in and some don't. Everybody, every person has the opportunity to be a friend of God. But you get to open the door. I believe I said it in the first service and I'll say it here again. That I just see a picture in my mind's eye that Holy Spirit coming to people's hearts and minds, putting a key in a cupboard door, unlocking and opening it. So that one, the gift has the opportunity to come out. You've locked it away or you've secreted it away or you haven't felt brave enough or strong enough I want to encourage you, hopefully today, that let that thing come out. That door can be flung right open, but you can still sit inside that cupboard and stare out and hold that gift back. I'm encouraging you to let it flow. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.